Impact leadership. What does it mean to wake up each day knowing your work, effort, and passion is being transformed into creating change that makes a difference in your business, organization, community, and your own life experience? And it can be hard to stay on track when at times the winds do not blow in your direction. But you persevere one step forward at a time, creating something better. This is fulfillment in action. And this is passion for impact. Educating, empowering, and elevating social consciousness in people, business, and teams. One inspiring conversation at a time. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Speak Plus. We train leaders on how to communicate with care and clarity. Learn tools to level up your voice, energy, and confidence. Your team will thank you for it. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash speak plus for more details. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Trisha Miltimore. On the show today is a man that oozes innovation in social enterprise. Dave is the founder and CEO of The Charity Hub. Now, since 2021, The Charity Hub has forged the gap between excess inventory and charitable funds. To date, they have contributed over 400,000, and I know it's more, so we'll get we'll get into that in just a sec. Over 400,000 to numerous charities And hey, they are just getting started. Dave and his team help large companies convert their excess inventory problems into powerful charitable opportunities. Now you can do more than just liquidate. You can actually turn your excess stock into cash donations and make a larger impact for, say, your foundation or preferred charitable causes. The Charity Hub helps companies create a triple impact solution. So you can clear out excess inventory, donate to your company's cause, and reduce your carbon footprint. It's win, win, win. It's social enterprise innovation, and I am in love. Dave, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. I cannot wait to unpack all of this. Thanks for being here. You're very welcome, Tricia. Thanks for having me. You did quite an amazing introduction there. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I want to give people a little bit of context because I'm, I, you know, we talked earlier about your company and what it's all about. And I just got more and more excited because in the world of passion for impact, you know, you're talking about impact that is that is so leveraged and it just makes so much sense. Um, tell us about how the Charity Hub became what it is in such a short amount of time. Um, your so your story about how you had this idea to actually creating it. Well, I've always been a liquidation broker. I've had over 20 years experience in the liquidation and closeout world uh, for profit business. And over that period of time, I think I've bought and sold everything you can find in the big box outlet stores. We've done everything from apparel to food to industrial items. We've basically touched any product you can think of and uh, in small quantities and in large quantities. Uh, in doing so, I you know, would buy something at a certain value and of course try and sell it for something a little bit more. And at the end of the day, I'd, I'd make a dollar or two or even more. It's quite a lucrative business. And uh, after 20 years of being a liquidation broker, I, I kind of got burnt out of it. I was, at the end of the day, all I really did was make a dollar and it looked, it sat in my bank account and uh, that was the end of my day. And 
I, I needed something different. I needed something more. And so I thought I'd just close the business off and uh, try something new. And uh, after about a year, year and a half, sitting around trying to figure out how I can give back, I started to see all these news articles or social medias about, and this is just, just prior to the pandemic, by the way, I saw all these charities and nonprofits, you know, saying uh, this group donated 2000 or we did a walkathon and we made 5000 and uh, this, this group over here was kind enough to do this and they donated money and they were so, so happy that they've got these, these charitable donation checks of amounts that I considered to be fantastic, but still incredibly low. However, the charities and nonprofits were ecstatic even just to get that. And I've done a lot of fundraising, you know, for my kids, uh, individual sports and, and other stuff. And I, I know how daunting it is and how uh, I felt when I was doing it. It almost felt like I was begging in some regards uh, for these causes or, or what I was, or for whatever I was fundraising for. And in, in some ways you, you get uh fundraise burnt out and you, you sometimes feel you, it's just not a great feeling asking people all the time for money. So I started to really get the in, intrinsical effect of it all. And I, and, and I looked at what I had done in the past and I realized, you know, I know how lucrative, you know, excess inventory liquidation type businesses can be. And I was like, huh, I wonder what it would be like if I just, you know, took my old business model and I started to create cash for charities and nonprofits. And that piece of the puzzle or that change in business model injected a huge amount of my own personal heart and energy into it. And I, and it, it came almost like a rebirth of, of my, my liquidation career. And mm -hmm. now I go out and I turn excess into impact and it feels fantastic. Now, what I didn't realize in doing this is when I first started, I was, I was kind of holding on to a bunch of my, my old business model tactics, which was buying low and selling higher. And I set a goal for 2021 of if I can turn a bunch of cash into charitable funds, I'm going to set a target of $100,000 and see if see where it goes from there. Well, I hit the target in about 60, 65 days. And right then I knew I had, uh, uh, you know, the lion by the tail. So I was, I was very interested then in how to create better structure and really pour some fire on this, this business model. And I was, I'm a social enterprise, so I'm a for-profit business. And I was like, okay, uh, I wonder if I should be a charity or a, a nonprofit. So I, I looked into that and I went and talked to the CRA and I, I talked to basically the top uh, legal opinions on charities and nonprofits in Canada. And they looked at my business model, which is basically product, liquidating product. And that classifies under something called gift in kind. And of course, gift in kind is, for example, in the charity world, if someone's got an oil painting on their wall and they want to they want to donate it to a certain charity. Well, that needs to be appraised because the charity that's going to receive that is going to issue a charitable receipt. And the charitable receipt represents what that painting is worth. 
Well, I deal in so many different types of products on a daily basis, and they're all different classifications of what they resemble. In other words, I have brand new creme de la creme product, but I also have a lot of customer return products from, you know, big box electronic stores, for example. I've even got used blenders. So what is a new blender worth? Well, I can figure that out pretty quickly, but it's hard to appraise what a truckload of blenders is now worth that are all purple or pink and no one wants them. Second of all, what that purple and pink blender is if they've all been customer returns and been used. And in order to do so, you need a professional opinion, which I couldn't get. So I was at a dead end and I said to the lawyers in the CRA, so what do I do? And they said, well, you, you know, you're legally as a for-profit business allowed to donate up to 75% of your net profits to a charity or a nonprofit. And I said, okay, well, that's what I'll do. So in my first year, again, it was, I, my target was $100,000. We ended up considerably higher than that. And now we're close to 24 months and we're, I think we're just around $500,000 in charitable funds that we've raised by turning excess into impact. Wow. 24 months, $500,000 of impact. That's incredible. Thank you. That must be, uh, it must feel really good. And then of course, beyond that, it must feel as an entrepreneur, um, satisfying to be able to use the puzzle pieces of your past, like the experience of your past, and then leverage off that. Yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. Um, the word startup uh, is is a bit of a buzzword, and and even though we're a you know in quotes a startup, we're not a startup. We're unfortunately a bunch of old dogs that have the old tricks, and I've been in this business a long time. I just tweaked the business model. Uh, to turn it into something impactful, and that was that was why I, I mean that's why I believed the success happened so quickly. I knew the business model worked. What I didn't realize and I didn't see coming was that corporate social responsibility and ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance, was at the forefront now, and all these large corporations were desperate to do something different and to be, to, to do something better and do something more responsible and sustainable with their products. So when I used to go in and buy the 5,000 blenders, it was always, okay, well, what do you wanna buy them for? And I said, well, what do you wanna sell them for? And that dog and pony show would go. The conversations now with these corporations are so different. They embrace what the charity hub is doing because we're solving a major problem they have, which is called the red zone, which is the inventory that's not selling anymore. It's the customer return stuff. It's the slow stock, the dead stock, the damaged box stuff, the, the shelf pulls, whatever you want to call them. It's, it's a nonprofit area for them. They're, they're using liquidation brokers uh, already, and they're super concerned about the channels they put their product into. Well, we know all about that. We've been doing it for far too long. So now we're partnering with them as, as, as a true partner, as a, let's call it a, as an external sales force. And we're taking that headache away from them. We're turning the product into cash for now for their corporation to donate into something they support. So now the people that perk up are the CFOs and the marketing 
and the CEOs. And the reason why there's three different perk ups is the marketing person says, holy moly, I can now use what we just did because we donated to A, B, C, or D as part of our marketing and part of our corporate social responsibility. And our shareholders are going to love this because now they can see that they're investing in a corporation that is doing good. Now, the CFO says, hey, let's keep liquidating, but let's use the broker for good, I call it. And we've already written the product off or written down. The charity hub will either buy our product or we can give it to them. I, use, I don't use the word donate because we're not a charity or a nonprofit, but we buy product at a rate that's agreed upon. So they're selling it to a broker. We're a broker as well, but we're the broker for good. And we're transparent. We tell them where it's going. And we also talk to them about what channels we're putting it in. We don't want to be selling it into customer A if that product's already in customer A. We're a global company. We can put it anywhere around the world. Now, the CEO stands up because he's looking at his company saying, oh, my goodness, I've just created an external sales force in a team that I didn't have before that's solving a problem that's now creating impact that my marketing guy can rest its hat on. And my CFO is totally pumped because there's no difference between the $10 write-off or the $10 charitable receipt. So we're solving all these problems. And then you start getting into the environmental impact. And that's a whole different discussion, but it's you can imagine uh, what we're doing in that respect, keeping a lot of product out of the landfill and helping these companies hit some ESG goals, whether they be just as simple as how much weight they're avoiding the landfill or how much uh, reduced trucking time or how much warehouse space they're saving or heating or lighting. So it goes on and on to all the benefits. And I just didn't see how embracing these companies would be uh, to the Charity Hub's new business model. Wow. So they're embracing the new business model. They're using the new business model. Obviously, you have had all many years of contacts and clients and to make this all kind of happen in such a short amount of time. What has been one of the biggest challenges of kind of revamping your business model within industry or, you know, yourself? What, what are some of the challenges that, that have been getting in your way or have gotten in your way? Blatantly is warehouse space. We're dealing with it now. We just actually sent out a message on LinkedIn basically saying, help. Uh, we are getting so many amazing corporate partners wanting to provide us with deeply discounted product. We need, a, we need more warehouse space. Now, that's easy because we can go out and write a check for it. However, mm -hmm. our business model is a social enterprise that wants to create impact. Now we can go and uh, rent warehouse space in the GTA area, anywhere from 20 to $30 a square foot. Now we could easily, easily use another 10 to 20 or 30,000 square feet to put product in and I'll explain why. However, then we're writing a check to the landlord. That $360,000 to $750,000 a year is now going to a landlord. Whereas we believe that money should be going into nonprofits and charities. That's the whole reason why the business model for the charity hub exists is we want to create impact. So we're reaching out to 
foundations. We're reaching out to developers. We're reaching out to the government, actually, and saying, if you've got warehouse space, don't lease it out at a certain amount. Allow us to use it and we'll pay you for it. We'll we'll pay the utilities. We'll pay for the space. uh, We'll pay for the taxes. But let's work something out that's fair for everybody that we can create more impact together. And so that's the biggest thing is warehouse space. The second thing is freight and trucking is super expensive these days. But we are we are finding there's a lot of freight forwarders uh, at trucking companies and so on that are reducing rates as best they can. It is expensive for them as well. We understand that we are a for profit business. Everyone has to make some money to survive. We understand that. But it's it's the warehouse space that we're focusing on right now. And, you know, looking ahead five years, where do you see the Charity Hub going? The Charity Hub is an unbelievable opportunity globally, but let's just focus in Canada right now, to partner with fantastic corporations to do what they have to do anyways, which is liquidate. No one is doing what we're doing and no one is doing it properly and no one is creating impact out of excess. Just to give you some very quick numbers, Tricia, mm-hmm. is that excess inventory right now today in the global economy is at $1 trillion. Wow. The e-commerce industry alone, just the e-commerce, you know, the click of a button, the e-commerce industry alone is at 15 billion pounds of returns every single year, just from the e-commerce. And the value of that inventory uh, coming up, forecasting to 2026 is $750 billion. This, I mean, this has been in the globe, and this is not news, this is in front of everybody. $750 billion of product that we can turn into impact. And charities are growing by 6% globally a year. And there's a funding deficit looking that we're looking at of basically 23 billion in 2026. And I, I make the really you know slapstick joke that the landfills are getting richer and the charities are getting poorer. Hmm. Wow. And the charity hub is putting their foot in, in that and and saying, no, we need we need some balance here. And there's huge, huge opportunity to do that. So what does that mean? It, will, it, it means that Charity Hub's, few, I've got unlimited supply and unlimited demand, and that's Economics 101 is the charities are always going to be there. They're going to grow. Our, our planet's growing. Our population's growing. And there's going to be more and more need for cash, and there always will be. The sad part is, is population's growing, and we keep clicking, and we keep seeing excess inventory. And uh, we can turn that into something better. And so it's a very, very interesting thing. It is so exciting. I mean, just to be able to hear about that you had an idea, you, you've you created it, it's making this big impact, and it's going to continue to grow because of the ongoing demand, supply, all of it. Personally, you know, on your in your own mind, you're creating this impact as well. Um, how do you manage the expectations is it different than when you were an entrepreneur before? And like, I guess I, I wonder if there's a lot of pressure because there's so much that can be done, like for your whole team as well, right? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing we're trying to do is is remain uber focused on structure. Uh, mm-hmm. Having created a number of companies 
there are pitfalls and I understand what those are. And the biggest pitfall in any, any business is, is financial stress. And we are, we're very conscious about financial stress. We are not in debt, which is fantastic. I invested a fair sum of money in the charity hub and that has been paid back. So we're a healthy new company startup, let's call it. However, we're very, we're very focused on partnering with the right groups. We're always open to conversation. We have to do the simple things right. And we have to capitalize on what's in front of us and, and what our tools are. The social media side of it is incredible. The tools we have online, like LinkedIn, is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And working with relationships, uh, I'm a big, big believer. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And there are so many people or groups or foundations, whatever you'd like to call them out there, that have the ability to really launch you, have the ability to really, I, I kind of make a joke, but wave a wand at you and provide doors to open. And and they, of course, need to trust you and they, they need to have a feeling that there has been a past track record of success, which we've proven in the Charity Hub, and they need to see the vision as well. And there's a lot of amazing, amazing opportunities out there that I that we are working on, but we're always talking to very sophisticated organizations on, on how to fit. One of the most recent discussions I've had is with Intact Insurance, um, with Louis Gagnon, the CEO of Intact, is a very, very, very good chat. I understand insurance claims very well. And I was explaining to Louis, the CEO at Intact, that when the insurance claim happens, the truck goes off the road, a bunch of the boxes get damaged, 30% of the inventory is toast, uh, the rest of it mm, is iffy. What happens to it? Well, I understand what happens to it because I've bought those deals many, many times before. And what happens now is uh, the adjuster goes out and gets three bids on it. Well, when he gets three bids on it, the top bid wins. That product goes to the highest bidder. What happens to the product after that? Nobody knows. I'd like to stop that. The Charity Hub wants to create a moratorium on something like that. The Charity Hub would like to have first look at any insurance claim. If we can take that product and buy it, just like one of the bids, then we can take it. We can take possession of it and control of the brand name of that product. We can go what we do, which is basically the same as the broker. And then we can go and create cash for Intact's foundation. Intact can then use that money to do something good in the communities where they live. So there's things like that and partners like that that can really, really amplify what the Charity Hub does. It's very inspiring. If you could sit down with an entrepreneur, someone who really, truly wants to create a social enterprise through their own business, what kind of advice would you provide? Uh, Again, the number one thing that I believe where most startups fail is they put the money first and then they see if their model works. And it's a really, really delicate balance. And I've seen so many times these startups 
uh, lease space or they did an office or they their, their overhead and their burn rate escalates so fast that they begin to start to make the wrong business decisions to chase their debt or their burn mm. and their their natural ability or the the idea of why they actually got into the whole thing to begin with is lost and it's not dissimilar to our own personal lives is if you get caught up in debt it's all you're thinking about is chasing the debt or covering the debt instead of happiness or doing the right thing even though you think you're trying to financial nooses are detrimental in so many ways and that's the the number one thing that i even teach my kids try not to have debt try not to have debt and if you do have debt make it smarter debt and if they can do that and manage it properly then you can still try and maintain a clear head to drive forward I agree. I see that all the time in business. So if someone is starting out, you're suggesting that don't go necessarily for the biggest space or at least that fancy printer it is focus more on your service and product and creating the model that works. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Be frugal. Hmm. Don't be cheap. Be frugal. And, and be careful. Be careful. Those are some important words. I think you made a statement earlier and I, I should have written it down, but um, basically something about the simple, doing the simple right is the, the best route to go. Absolutely. You need to create a, a very uh, simple focus, something that you can almost intrinsically live by. And if you live by that and you hold on to that, you, you're, you're going to get punched in the ribs a few times, but if you're still standing <laughs> then you keep moving forward. And it's so easy to lose focus. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of vibration. There's a lot of this this constant hot pin pokes that can make you turn your head. And you got to get used to them because that's not really going to affect your long-term approach if you keep looking forward. Life's not easy. Business isn't easy. And you just got to remain you know, heavy-footed and keep stomping through. But you, if you don't identify the simple things, then you're going to fall into the chaos because you're not going to be focused. You're going to be looking in circles. And that's a terrible way to grow a business and, and to live. Right. Or you end up going down the path of the shiny object syndrome, right? Down the rabbit holes. Yes. Okay. So what habits, uh, personal habits, do you have that really support your own growth mindset? <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big I'm a big believer of uh, of exercise. Exercise mm-hmm. is the key, <laughs> and and so I I throw exercise into my daily routine, uh, whether it be lunch hour hockey or mountain biking. Just just clear the head, breathe. Even a walk, uh, music is great as well, but. Uh, that's something I really, really live by. Uh, exercise does so many things for your body, uh, for your system, and, and especially for your, your mind. Mm-hmm. It really does. Doesn't it? And it's also, I find when with my clients, I'm always, the first thing we work on is create something that's going to help your health that you do daily. And it could be the smallest thing, but it feels like you're investing in yourself. And there's just like this personal level of pride that follows along with it. And it allows, it kind of transfers discipline into other areas of your life too. Absolutely. What is one of your favorite books? 
<laughs> the wealthy barber. Yeah, is it really? Yeah, it is. I, nice. I, I, it's a it it has a lot of principles uh, that I live by, and uh, I brought that book up to many many people. And uh, again, it gets back to being simplistic and following very simple rules. And if you follow simple rules that are very powerful, it, it makes things very simple and an easy way to win. That is good to know. Okay, so the wealthy barber is your. I should actually collect every one of my guests' recommendations and put it into a blog post or something like that. I should have thought of that a long time ago. Wealthy barber. So, how do you help your team members to focus on that growth mindset over you know the grind of of the work that needs to be done to keep their their you know mindset in the positive realm versus maybe any overwhelm or negativity. Well, first of all, the Charity Hub was created on the basis of doing good. And that's what, what we're, we've all bought into and that we strive towards. The principles within the Charity Hub have not taken a nickel out of the business. We're working for free. And that gets back to, you know, of course, burn rate and so on. Mm-hmm. We're creating something and working for free because we believe in it. And uh, it's one of those things where if you build it, then they will come. And I really try and be a hands off. I don't like the word manager, but that's kind of how I, I, I know people are good at what they're good at. And if you let them do that, then they will be successful. And I think the people that are involved in the charity hub, they know they can contribute in a massive way in the area that they're an expert in. And there's the people that we have working in the charity hub have embraced it as their own. And I I think that's what makes them successful as well. I guess it would be also just um, that culture that you create about impact, but also being able to do it on their own terms in some ways, right? And being able to contribute in a way where they're not being micromanaged. Absolutely. That is so important. No one wants to be micromanaged. Um, Okay, I want to go back to a little bit more of your entrepreneurial wisdom. Uh, This happens for so many people. They're started a business or they're in their business, you know, and it's growing. Uh, Things are working. They could be a social enterprise or maybe not. But uh, how do you, for yourself, make decisions in business when it really is, there's a lot on the line and in the, the bubble gets bigger, the decisions get bigger, the stakes get bigger. So do you have any kind of personal philosophy for anyone who's listening, who has to make a big decision in business right now? How, how do you make those decisions? I've always listened to my gut feeling and that's okay. on my personal side and in my business side. The reason why I listen to my gut feeling is because it's mine. And therefore, I then take responsibility of my action after that. And I, I do believe that we are built in a way to survive. We're survivors. Mm-hmm. And I believe your gut feeling, if you listen to it, it will direct you. And it, it might seem a bit corny, but people that are spiritual or, or uh, are, are focused in a certain area where they take a, a lot of deep emotions out of everything they do every day, listen to their gut feelings and the gut feeling when it becomes the wrong answer, if you failed, at least it's your gut feeling and you will learn by it. 
it's super important to listen to it and navigate through that. Having said that, I always on large decisions go and discuss them with different types of people. And, and I love their opinion because if they've been through the battleground, they're going to tell you what minefields to avoid. Now, you can still try and step on one of those minefields because it might work out differently for you, but it's way easier to navigate through them once you've gotten the pathway from their experience. And the reason why I go to a number of different people for that information is because different people have different ways to look at things. And what's cool is if you go to different people, you might see a pattern in the answer. And the pattern in the answer is typically way stronger than a full left field answer. So I take my gut, I go talk to a few people that I really respect, and sometimes their answers are not what I want to hear, but it's it's definitely an answer I do respect. And it goes into my gut feeling, and out comes the answer. And Just don't be afraid, too. Don't be afraid to listen to your gut feeling. Your gut feeling is right a lot of the time. That is true. And have some grace for yourself because no one gets it right all the time either. Mm -hmm. Another question for you about business growth. Uh, When you're hiring for people, and do you hire for those that are truly passionate about the cause? Do you hire for attitude? Like, How do you balance that all, all out as you're expanding your team? The cause is is something in the charity hub we we need for sure. If you're if you're not doing the cause, then you might as well just go be a liquidation broker mm-hmm. or something else. The person has to fit and our culture. And our, our culture is we want to try as best we can to enjoy what we do. And we all know that it doesn't matter who you are. Every day there's challenges. So if you think everything's rosy, then you're going to fail. I mean, that's just the way it is. Some days are slogs and some days it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But we try and hire level-headed people that are good people, that are happy people, that lift up instead of pull down. Mm -hmm. And we're all trying to strive for the same thing is, is do a little bit of good in what we do every day. We all have to make a living and we all we all have to contribute to our personal life. So it's a bit of balance of those. Well, uh, you certainly created a platform that does good. Sounds like with your people, your partners and the world in general. Now, two more questions for you. Then then we'll wrap it up. But first one is if you're going to have a dinner on a Sunday night and you can have whatever you want, what does that look like? <laughs> Why is it a little personal, eh, Dave? <laughs> Bar down. <laughs> it's going to be either a steak or a hamburger. <laughs> nice. Easy choice for you. Okay. Barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah. People around. A couple of bevies. Absolutely. Yeah. Good friends. Yeah. Isn't that what matters most, right? The connections. The relationships. Okay. And the final question, the hardest one of all of them. What is the best wisdom that you have ever received? The best wisdom I've ever received is try hard and be truthful to yourself. That's you've got to try as hard as you can on everything and 
you won't let yourself down and, and be truthful. Face it. Face the good. Face the bad. Try and be vulnerable and accept it. That is some good wisdom. Oh, Dave, from the Charity Hub, thank you. I know you're very busy making impact, but you found some time to be on Passion for Impact. So, so much gratitude for you. There's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom in everything we just talked about. And I just hope that someone heard something today that they can take and then level up their personal, professional, social enterprise or life in general. And it's because you took the time. So thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Tricia. Have a great day. And thanks for doing what you're doing as well. Thank you. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. If you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact, it's brought to you by Rock Your Leadership. We train leaders on how to grow success, drive change and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.